Welcome to Made It Happen podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Hafling. Made It Happen is a podcast series highlighting female founders who took a chance and launched their own business. Through interviews with female entrepreneurs, Made It Happen is dedicated to inspiring others through stories of those who've experienced going out on their own firsthand, discussing all the highs and the lows. It can be easy to see the glamorous side of starting your own business through the internet and social media, but what does it really take behind the scenes to launch and run your own successful business? Listen in for tangible tips and advice for growing your business from those who have been there. Hear how these inspiring female founders made it happen. Okay, so thank you so much for joining me here today, Emma. I'm so excited to be speaking with you. Like I said, I've been following your content for some time now, so I'm excited to be speaking with you and hear more about your journey. Thank you so much for having me. Um, again, I'm always just flattered when people think of me and invite me to come chat with them on their shows. And so, um, yeah, just excited to get into our conversation today. And hopefully I can answer and shed more light on the creator economy and the influencer industry. And so, yeah, I'm I'm ready to chat. <laughs> Amazing. Well, we can just jump right in then. And so to start off, do you want to just tell us a little bit about yourself and your background? Yeah. So um, my name is Emma and I am a Seattle content creator and I primarily create content on my blog, my Instagram, my podcast, the content creators podcast, TikTok. I'm on pretty much all the social media channels. My journey starts back in 2014 when I decided to start a blog during my senior year of college called Emma's Edition to share my take on fashion. And I decided to start a blog because I was interviewing for roles um, out of college and I knew my first role just, it wasn't going to be a creative role. And so I just wanted to have a space where I could share my love of fashion and writing and, you know, my take on style. I never imagined in a million years that I would take it full time. I didn't know people were making this their career. I mean, I, I really thought that I was going to work my way up in corporate America. Um, but yeah, roads, the road went a different way. And I'm, I'm excited at least to like, see how my journey has unfolded in ways I've never thought it would. Um, so yeah, that's all about, about me. Um, besides being based out of Seattle, um, I also am a dog mom. I have a five-year-old Norwegian elk hound named Boone light of my life. You might have seen him on my stories if you follow me. (laughs) Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. So cute. Um, I I love that. And I I love when it is sort of that natural progression, you know, into sort of this industry. And, you know, you said there, you never would have imagined it'd be your full-time career. When was that point when you saw that, you know, this really is a business, this really is a career? Yeah. So uh, 2014, when I started, I was just seeing websites like Shiptopia and I was seeing other bloggers start to build followings and start working with kind of brands early on. And I was really surprised. I was like, oh, cool. Like this is something you can do on the side. And then in 2016, I just started seeing other creators take it more seriously. And like, I feel like the industry was like starting to like mature a little bit. Um, And I started seeing big creators, Ami Song and Sincerely Jewels, like really start to take like a national global, you know, step in their careers. And I was like, well, like, this is a career. And so 2016 is when I was like, okay, I'm going to start like taking this more seriously. Like I'm seeing other women and women of color 
you know, do incredibly well in this space and like start to create businesses and like seeing them like bring on interns and build teams. I was like, whoa, like this is like more than just a blog. And so, yeah, I think 2016 was when I started paying attention and I realized that like people were creating full on careers and it was possible to, to do that. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, once you got to that point and you were like, okay, I want, I really want to make this into my career. I want to make this into my business. What was it sort of, what were those sort of changes that you had to make or sort of, you know, how was it that you really, you know, took that next step? Yeah. So, um, 2016 is when I was like, okay, I'm just going to start taking this more seriously. I'm two years out of school. Um, I moved back to Seattle, went back to the aerospace industry because that's where I had interned and orig- like out of college, I worked for the CPG industry, realized it wasn't a good fit. And so it actually took me two more years. So 2018 was when I was like, oh, I'm going to shift career goals. And for me, like what actually helped me, um, I started my master's of digital media in 2017. Um, and in my master's program, so I was working full-time during the day from seven to three, and then I would come home and then I would commute to campus and I'd be in class from six to 10. And I was learning so much in my digital media program and I was applying it straight into my blog. I thought I was going to slow down. I literally thought I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to cut back. Like I can't work full time and like have a side hustle and like be in grad school in the evenings, but the exact opposite happened. (laughs) And I started just pouring everything, all, everything I learned from UX to copywriting from, you know, futures of digital marketing. I just was pouring it into my blog. And so I think my master's program really helped in helping me continue to prioritize my blog and like really improve my skills. Um, And then from there, 2018, um, I just started having kind of those hard conversations. I mean, I thought I was going to be an aerospace executive. I thought I was going to climb the corporate ladder. And I started with my parents in 2018. I was, I literally sat them down. I finished my first quarter in grad school and I said, Hey, like, you know, I am really enjoying like aerospace, but like with my master's program, like I realized that like I want to make digital media my main career and my main focus. And I want to take this blog full time someday. And I was really scared to see how they were react. I'm not living with them at this point, right? Like I'm out of school, but like, like I'm sure many other people, like as a child of immigrant parents, like your parents kind of have this vision for you, right? To go to college, have a staple job with a pension and 401k. And then here I am saying I want the exact opposite now. I was like, Hey, like I actually like I'm in this stable position, but I want something else. And I was surprised. I thought they were going to freak out, but they were like, at first, why don't we try like a different job? Maybe you can find a digital media role within the aerospace industry. Maybe you can marry the two. And so it was funny. Like I really started the conversations, just socializing the idea. Cause I, I wouldn't take it full time until 2020, but I started having that conversation. That, so that was a big thing. Once I realized I wanted to do like a different career and wanted to shift lenses, I just started talking about it with, you know, my loved ones, talked about it with my boyfriend, just my husband now, um, talking about it with my friends, just saying, hey, like, here's what I'm thinking. I don't know how this looks at, I don't even know if I can replace my aerospace salary, but I, this is what I'm thinking. So with anyone out there, whenever you're making a career shift, you're starting to think about something. I always say like, start with your community, start with your support group and just give them a heads up. They don't have to agree with your dreams and your career path, but I think just including them in the conversation and giving a heads up helps you and gives you the confidence to make that transition, right? Mm Because 
you can affirm it yourself. You're like, okay, even if you don't agree with this, it's actually clarifying that I really do want this. So that was like a big step for me. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think that that's really great advice. And, you know, something you touched on there too, was really, like you said, sharing it with your community. And, you know, part of this is building your community online and building a following to take that full time. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that process and sort of what worked for you? Of course, I am always happy to talk about like how you start to build a community online. And I wish, I think when when, when people ask me this, like when I get the DMs, like they look for kind of a magic answer where you do A plus B equals C. And like the truth is building a community online just takes time, especially because it takes time to build trust. It takes time to build relationships. It takes time for you to figure out your brand and like what your mission statement is. And so for me, the biggest thing that helped me build my community from 20 14 to 2016 to now has just been being consistent, showing up on my platforms, being super clear about who I am and what you can expect from me. And then always thinking about my community in the end, like what value I bring to them. So 2016, because I know people want numbers, 2016, I was at 2000 followers on Instagram and I was driving 500 page views on a monthly basis on Google Analytics. So that's just to give kind of a rough outline. 2018, I was under 20,000. I think I was at 18,000 followers. Um, I can't remember my page views, but so like 2016 to 2018, like it, I grew, but it wasn't like I exploded. And even today from 2018, 18,000 followers to 2022, I'm just under about 50K. I mean, it just, again, took me time. I never went viral. I never, you know, was like picked up by a major publication. I, I just like, didn't have that type of experience. Like growing for me was slow, organic, and it was like a year by year basis. Um, and so, yeah, I guess that's my my advice. Clarify who you are, what your mission statement is, and always continue to think about your community and like what value you can bring to them. And then I think my, my gosh, it's probably like my fourth tip. I think I give a lot of tips in this little spiel continue to explore other platforms. If Instagram is like not cutting it for you, look for, look at other platforms. Twitter is a great space to drive conversations. There's a lot of ways to build community on Twitter. TikTok is a great way to be exposed to new audiences. Again, just be aware of kind of the comments and (laughs) the conversations that happen on TikTok. That's not always positive, like in any social media space, but TikTok, I think right now where we're at, it can change in six months to a year, right? I think that's like a great platform to build an audience very quickly if you understand how to jump on trends and just like try different things. So yeah, that's like kind of a big tip too, is just explore other mediums. There's not just one social media outlet that's going to do it for you. You might find that you enjoy a different one. Mm -hmm. And I I think that's great advice, especially I know, like you said, social media is changing all the time now. So just being able to try those different things and finding what works best for you, I think is, is so important. And in terms of that, then going into sort of the brand deal side of things, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, what advice or tips you have for making brand deals or making partnerships, things like that? Yeah. So if you are a creator or a new influencer who's interested in learning more about brand partnerships, my biggest tip is start to like explore and experiment to see if you even like working with brands. So um, I actually have like my, my newest course is literally called how to get started with brands. Cause I was just getting this question so much. And it's like, what do I do when I want to start getting started 
with, with brand partnerships, where do I go? How do I prepare myself? And so if you are interested in working with brands, one of my biggest tips is to create a media kit. So if you haven't heard of a media kit before, it can be one to two pages. It has your photo, your mission statement, um, your stats on your social media, your blog, whatever your channels are. And it's basically just an online resume that signals to brands, PR agencies, and influencer agencies who you are as a brand in a snapshot. So having a media kit, some people will be like, do I need this? Do I not? I always say it's a great resource to have because people in the industry move around. There are people I've been working with since 2018 who have shifted and jumped around PR agencies. And I've literally had it where they've saved my media kits. They've saved me as a contact. And I'm like, oh, you're working at a different agency now. And so it is just, again, like an online resume. That's like a really big thing. The second tip besides creating a media kit is start experimenting with gifted brand partnerships. It is a different skill set to work with brands. And so I was a former project manager in my aerospace career. I was a project manager for four years. So brand partnerships are come more naturally to me. Like I'm used to starting and ending, you know, projects. I'm used to pulling together a statement of work, creating a timeline, producing the assets, having stakeholder meetings, like all of those things as a project manager directly translate into brand partnerships. And so starting out dabbling with gifted brand partnerships, seeing if you even like that exchange, negotiating via email, picking out products, you know, coming up with an original concept, like just starting out in that platform. I actually, I know people are like, of course you need to get paid, paid, but you also need to figure out if it's going to be the right fit for you. Because I'm telling you, there are creators out there who have tried working with brands and hated it. They find it too constrictive. They don't think they'll last for creativity. They don't like the structure and the cadence of brand partnerships because there is kind of a natural flow of determining the statement of work, you know, submitting drafts, doing revisions, going pu- going live, submitting it. There's like, there's like a natural cadence and some people don't like that. And so if you figure that early on, there's so many other ways to make money as a creator, right? That's brand partnerships is just one way. Um, but testing out gifted brand, gifted brand partnerships can help you figure out if you want to go down that path. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that's such great advice because I think that's sort of the behind the scenes people don't see in a lot of everything that goes into this. And so, you know, just tapping to see if that's even what you're interested, I think is really great advice. And what are some of the considerations that, you know, maybe you make before you go into a brand partnership or, you know, some things that, you know, people should really keep in mind before taking that step? Yeah. So, um, and you can get this experience even if you're testing out gifted brand partnerships. One of the biggest things is, When you are considering a brand partnership, gifted or paid, you need to be thinking about your own brand alignment. Do you identify with that brand? Is that a product or service you use on a daily basis or does it fit your life stage? And then in addition to your brand fit and alignment, you also have to think about your audience, right? Is my audience going to resonate with this product or service? Is my audience using this in this life stage? Is this something my audience can relate to? Because I'm going to be really, I'm going to give a, great example. And this is not to hopefully like isolate me in future partnerships with Samsung because I would love to work with Samsung in appliances and TVs. But they have reached out and they've been like, hey, we want you to create content about, you know, the Samsung Galaxy. And I've literally like had a candid conversations with the PR team and I was like, I'm a fan of the brand, but in this particular product, I've been using iPhone since college. And so 
I don't even think I could create a video that shows off the features and like how to use this product, right? It's so I identify with the brand, but that specific like product fit, I don't think it's a great alignment. And it's okay to say that. Like even in paid partnerships, when brands are saying, we have money for you to promote this product, you have to think like, but is it even aligned with me? And so I had to get super clear. And I was very candid with the team. I said, any other products with Samsung, happy to talk about home, other electronics. I was like, but this specific one, I'm going to be very honest. I don't even think I've held one in my hand. So, so yeah, a little bit of insight. Just think about that alignment. Yeah. And I think that's so important too, especially for your audience. Cause you know, one of the reasons I love your content is you're so authentic and you know, you can tell it is all just so aligned. And so I think that, you know, that's what gains the trust of your audience too. So making those decisions, I think is just so important, especially in the long run too. Um, and then on the other side of it, do you have any advice for uh, brands or, you know, a small business who's looking to work with a content creator, sort of what sort of considerations should they be making? Yes. Um, and so I'm going to be giving kind of like insight and tips, right? As a creator who's worked with a lot of brands, but I haven't had that perspective of like being on the brand side. So please take it with a grain of salt. I know there's going to be people mm-hmm. out there who are like, she's not really on the brand side. But what I've seen at least, like especially with small businesses who want to partner with creators, I really think just one, like getting clear about what you want out of influencer partnerships. I think whether it's a a fortune 50 company or a small business, sometimes businesses come in and they expect influencers to straight up just drive sales. And it's called influencer marketing, right? It's not influencer sales. And so when you are thinking about your sales funnel, think about where those influencer partnerships can fit in that sales funnel. Sometimes it's not at the end at conversion. It's not. Sometimes it's really at the very beginning stages of awareness and consideration, right? So just getting clear, oh, my influencer partners are going to help me like build awareness that I'm actually, you know, I have a store, I have a business in the greater Northwest area. That's what I'm thinking. And so when you start thinking about kind of the sales funnel and like realizing that influencers can help you move potential customers or consumers through that, it's not just at the end. I think that helps you have better influencer campaigns. I think another thing too is think about the type of influencers you're working with, right? It's kind of like you're hiring for a position, for a project, for a campaign, for a month. And so I think there are plenty of creators out there. If you are a brand who's very much so interested in just converting sales, look for creators who are very comfortable and are always sharing affiliate links because their audience is used to seeing the links and clicking on them and purchasing what they have to wear, right? That's a very different creator than someone like me who is all about conversation, building relationships. I think a lot of brands, in my opinion, and this is I could be completely wrong. PR agencies, you can tell me and like email me if you use me for other things. But I think a lot of the times, like why I work with brands personally on my side of the business, right, is that I'm able to help drive those conversations. I'm able to bring awareness that this particular service or brand is actually located in the Pacific Northwest. I am not a creator. I tell brands, I'm if you want instant sales, I'm not a great creator for that because I'm not pushing links all the time. I'm having lots of conversations. And so think about 
again, like the sales funnel, like where influencers could be on that. And then also think about the type of influencer you want to bring on and then just test it. I would say, right. You might find that influencer marketing is not a good fit for you and you're much better creating your own content, hiring your own photographer and models, and then testing out Instagram story ads, you know, TikTok ads, Facebook ads, marketing and social media. It's everything's about testing. And so, um, and figuring out what works. Okay. That was kind of long-winded. Hopefully that was helpful. (laughs) No, no, that was very helpful. And I think that gave so many great sort of insights into, like you said, working with brands from the content creator point of view, but you know, from actually working with brands. So I think that was a really great great overview and some tips for that as well. And then, you know, with that too, leading into my next question, you know, I love how transparent you are too about the amount that you make on brand deals with your social media and stuff. And so how do you go about, you know, finding that right price um, with brands or, you know, that you decided yourself, you know, how much a brand deal is worth? Yeah. So pricing yourself as a creator really varies. And again, I give advice and insight as a creator who successfully replaced her former aerospace salary of $90,000 and tripled it, right? Like my whole perspective, and obviously I definitely recommend if there's any creators out there who work both on the brand and the influencer side and they have insight on pricing, highly recommend going to them too and like seeing what they have to say and just like paying for that consulting fee, right? But for me, like that's my perspective. I'm like, Hey, like I'm securing these deals. I'm just being open and honest because I want you, everyone to remember influencer industry is a billion dollar industry companies for the last hundred, 150 years, maybe even more, right? Like have consistently spent advertising dollars to push products and services and reach target consumers. So anytime I say, I just want to like, let people know that I'm like, there's so much money in influencer marketing. And so I, that's why I'm transparent. I just want other women and women of color to know if you have a creative outlet, you have a creative space and you want to make money doing brand partnerships because you know it's the right channel for you, the money's out there. So in terms of pricing yourself, I actually have a whole course on negotiations because again, I was getting this question a lot. One of the biggest things I break down my negotiations course is how to ask. But today let's talk about what you can use to actually negotiate. You are not just charging for your follower count. You are not just charging for an Instagram post and three stories. You're delivering a full service, right? So what can you charge in a package? You can charge for the deliverables, how many posts they want, how many stories, how many TikTok videos, blog posts, number of images that the brand wants to reuse. You can charge for exclusivity. This is where I will rack up my price. If a brand says you cannot work with a competitive brand or category for 30 days, six months, a year, you can literally triple your rate if if brands are doing that because for you, it's opportunity cost foregone, right? You as the creator will then have to say no to competitive brands. And I think I've given this example on social media. There was a brand last year who asked me to not work in an entire category for an entire season. And I literally charged them $6,000 a post. Cause I was like, I'm going to say no to an entire category. So therefore I'm tripling my, my price for what I would normally. And they agreed. Cause they said, I mean, yeah, like we don't want you to work with any other brands. And when I say category, like think about like the beauty category, if I was working with a mascara brand and they say, we don't want you to work 
with any mascara brands for three months and you're a beauty creator, I mean, you're going to say no to opportunities and pay deals. And so you can charge for exclusivity. So deliverables, exclusivity. Another thing you can charge for is usage, right? So I think there are these, this conversation of usage continues to mature. So brands can use your content beyond you just posting on social media. Brands want to be able to repurpose your content on email newsletters, on websites, on billboards, on print ads. And you can charge for that because it's your likeness and your image. So um, one of the things I saw on a Facebook group, it was such a great example. Imagine a brand pays you $1,000 for you to post on social media. Then they take your image and they push it out on a Facebook ad or an Instagram ad. And they generate fifty dollars to $100,000 in sales. That $1,000 they paid you, minuscule to like what they actually brought in with your face and your likeness. And so you can, you can charge for those things. Again, I break it all down in my course, but I want to give creators the understanding that it's not just charging for your following number and it's not just charging for posts. You, you have to be accounting for other things in the contract so you can increase your rate and you can charge more. Again, very long-winded. I'm very passionate about this. <laughs> no, I love the passion and you're giving such great advice and, you know, really creating that clear picture, which I absolutely love. And so, um, you know, diving in a little bit deeper too, you mentioned there too about then going into, you know, the negotiation part of brand deals and stuff. And how do you sort of go about that part of it? You know, when it isn't, you know, to the standard that you are looking for. Yeah. So, okay. My biggest thing with negotiating, right? Just like a few negotiating tips. Number one, negotiations are not confrontation. They're negotiations. You're two parties who come together. And so as creators and influencers, I literally tell other creators, I show up to the table as a partner. Like my voice, like I'm not the brand, I'm not beneath the brand, right? I'm, I'm sitting at the conference table, not, not literally, but like I'm there as a partner. So know that when you're entering a negotiation, this is not a fight. This is two parties trying to figure out, okay, where can we flex on budget or on deliverables or on the timeline so we can come together and like find a partnership that works best. So that's like the biggest thing. Number two, with negotiations, you're going to hear the word no. And that's not a personal attack on you. I think that's like really important. I think a lot of creators are like, they said, no, they hate me. They said, no, they don't like me. They said, no. And it's like, no, doesn't mean you're a bad person. It's, we really have to remember like, Hey, it's a negotiation. So sometimes it's not going to work out and it's okay that some deals don't work out. There's plenty of paid campaigns that I've walked away from because at the end of the day, we couldn't agree on a price or we couldn't agree on the number of deliverables. And, and that's okay too. So when you are learning how to negotiate for the first time, my biggest thing is practice asking to be paid. Even if you know, even if you're a small creator, even if you know that small business or that big business, even if you know they're going to say no, just the practice of just saying, hey, like, thank you for sharing the statement of work. May you please share the budget, you know, for this project or this campaign. And just getting comfortable with that. It took me two years to get, I was so uncomfortable asking. I was like, oh my God, they're going to think I'm greedy. They're going to think I'm this, that, and the other. They're going to not, they're not, they're going to not want to work with me. And all of those things are untrue, right? Just, just know it's not a confrontation. Sometimes no happens. It's not personal. And then number three, right? Like 
start practicing because negotiations, negotiating is like any skill. Like you have to practice in order to be comfortable and confident. Like I always tell creators, think about when you started sharing content on social media, how uncomfortable were you taking photos, creating videos, making graphics with practice and over time you get more comfortable. So hopefully that was a little helpful. Again, I feel like I'm like giving you like 10 minute answers on each thing. (laughs) No, it's perfect. I love it. It's definitely all just so valuable and so useful. And I know that our listeners are absolutely going to love these tips and advice. And with that too, if there was sort of one key tip you had for, you know, what do you think it really takes for someone to be successful in this industry as a content creator, as an influencer, if there was sort of, I know there's probably a lot that goes into it, but if there is sort of one thing that, you know, you think is really vital in this industry, what would that be? Oh my gosh. I'll say two things. One is just coming from a super clear point of view. And I, so people, and I know that we, this conversation kind of goes back and forth. People are like, I don't need a niche. I don't want a niche. It's too restrictive. I was like, okay, you don't have to have a niche, but people should know exactly who you are when they pull up your profile, right? Within a, a matter of seconds, be like, oh, she, she create, she or he or they create content about this. And I know I can expect content from them about these topics. And I go to their profiles when I'm looking for inspiration about this, or if I'm looking to laugh, or if I'm looking for tips. And so, and this is right, no matter what you choose your revenue stream, whether you decide to sell courses, or you decide to write eBooks, or you just decide to become a speaker, or you create affiliate links, whatever it is, just coming from that clear point of view, I think really helps creators build that trust with their audiences and helps and helps them with direction too, right? It's like, okay, I create content about this, this, and this, and this is what my audience can expect me from, from me. And then I think the second thing is creators and influencers, I really do think is like a life skill, just have to continue to be adaptable because there's new platforms that will emerge all the time. Things shift and change, preferences change, editing styles evolve, right? I think just like being open and adapting to whatever, you know, whatever, which way social media and like the conversation is going, I think is really helpful. I think with anything right in any industry, those who decide that they don't want to innovate and they are not open to any changes will experience kind of that stagnant, you know, plateauing kind of situation. And so just being open and adaptable and like trying new things and knowing that things don't always work out the first time, right? Like sometimes it takes some time to figure it out. I think is kind of, is vital for, for creators to be successful. Mm-hmm. I definitely agree. And I could, I can definitely see that. I think having, like you said, going with the trends, especially with everything that's changing so quickly nowadays, you know, being okay with trying those new things is so important. And one of the things you've mentioned too, is, you know, you kept getting questions about some of these topics and what led to creating your courses. Do you want to tell us a little bit about this and sort of how that then played in? Yeah. So I, it's so funny. I always knew I wanted to dabble in creating courses. Um, but what really pushed me to start creating courses was when I got my layoff notice in summer of 2020, it was not on my annual goals list to launch a course in 2020, but I like reprioritized that list. Um, after I spoke with my friend, um, Tori from her first hundred K, I literally called her and I was like, I'm getting laid off. Like, what am I doing? (laughs) She was like, launch a course. She was like, I know you're making money with brands, but launch a course, like have a second stream of income. It'll give you a cushion. And I was like, wait, what? And so I 
I knew I was like, okay, what can I do? Like, what can I, what, what am I really good at in the industry? And again, I think a lot of us are like, is what I have to say even relevant or important? Like, is this going to help others? And so for me, I ended up focusing on specifically, uh, my very first course is how to negotiate paid brand deals. Cause I realized that that was a huge pain point for a lot of creators who've been working with brands on a gifted basis, or just been working with brands for a few years and had not yet been able to convert to paid brand deals. And so for me, I was like, okay, I know my audience expects content creation tips for me. I literally started talking about my influencer journey and like all my Instagram tips back in 2017. Now it's 2020. It's been three years. I, I think they know that they can expect this content from me. And so I just started opening up and like sharing my story. And um, in 2019, I graduated with my master's in digital media. And so um, I was very ambitious in setting my my revenue goal. I was like, I can learn all these new things. Now I'm just working full-time and balancing content creation. I don't have to go to school like 10, 12 hours a week. Um, I have all this time. And so I set a revenue goal to make $40,000 on the side. And I achieved that with brand partnerships and working full-time. And so it's like, okay, like I have tried and true real experience and I can speak about this as a creator. And so decided to create my own course. Um, again, I knew that people already kind of trusted me in the space. And so um, I think a big thing, if you are interested in creating courses, I think just establishing your brand first on social media and your community in whatever space spaces you create content for, I think is very helpful. And then launching that course. Sometimes it's vice versa. Some people create courses first and they're like, oh, I need to have re- kind of reestablish myself. But in, in my, I guess, path, I thought that was like the best route. And that's been my most successful course. I think negotiating is a big pain point for a lot of creators. And so it continues to be relevant. Even though I wrote that course, I continue to update it. But even though I wrote that course back in 2020, I think it's continued to help creators over the last two years. So yeah. Amazing. Well, I love sort of hearing that evolution of it. And I loved how, you know, when you were in that situation, you know, you said, okay, uh, let's change things around, you know, let's make this work. You know, I think that's what really, you know, makes a successful entrepreneur successful, really anyone. Um, And, you know, you mentioned there too, one of your most successful courses, has there been one moment throughout your career of, um, you know, being a content creator of that really stands out to you where it was almost like a pinch me moment you've had? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I feel like I've had a lot of those, like luckily, right. I feel like I'm like, Oh my God. Um, one of them, I was still working full time, um, in the aerospace industry and, um, one of the local, I shouldn't say local, but she's a Seattle entrepreneur. She launched this company called own trail and she was contributing a contributing writer for Forbes. I don't think she does it anymore, but she was doing that for quite some time. And so when I was featured in Forbes as being a content creator, working in aerospace, um, just like, you know, being a trailblazers, it was a trailblazer series is what she called it. That was kind of a crazy moment. I'm like, Forbes, I was like, this is like a big, this is a big deal. I never imagined, you know, again, like I always thought like you had to do X or found a company or, you know, do something crazy to be like featured on a big publication like that. Um, but just like being myself and like doing what I was doing at the time, like I was like, wow, like I can't believe like that article came out. So that was like a really big deal. I think that was a big pinch me moment. And then I would say October of 2020 was another big pinch me moment. So I went full time September 
first. And then October, 2020 was my first month as a content creator where I negotiated and secured $10,000 in brand deals. I mean, unbelievable. I couldn't believe it. I was like, what? <laughs> this is I mean, I, again, like in 2019, it took me a year to do 40,000. And in one month I negotiated 10,000. And so that was kind of another pinch me moment. And so, um, yeah, I think I've had a lot of them, um, and I'm grateful for it, but yeah, those are probably two major ones. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, well, those are incredible. So, I mean, congratulations. Cause I think that is just so amazing and the evolution of your journey. I love hearing about, and on the other side of that, what have you really found to be sort of your biggest obstacle that you've really had to overcome throughout the journey? Honestly, I feel like the biggest thing has just been questioning myself in the journey. Like I, I really had moments and in years where I, I literally was like, why am I like seeing other creators who I started with at the same time? There are creators I started with who have 500,000 followers, 300,000 followers who have, you know, just like amassed major, major following and I'm still a micro-influencer. And so I, I've had years and like times where I'm like, what am I doing wrong? What am I, you know, like where, why am I not growing at the same rate? What am just questioning and like kind of doubting, I think my, myself. And then I realized like at the end of the day, I was like, okay, you know what though? Like my idea of success is probably completely, completely different than what their idea of success is. And for me, it's, if I help one person feel a little bit more confident about posing in front of the camera or finding a cute spot or learn how to negotiate that brand deal, like that for me is success. I've actually never made the following number a, like a success criteria. And so, but I think a lot of creators I'm sure feel that way, right? Like, why am I not growing? What am I doing wrong? And it's just like, so yeah, I think it's just been kind of that internal struggle. There's never been like something major blocking me. You know what I mean? I think it's just been kind of wondering and questioning, like, am I doing all the right things? And again, like now looking back at it, I'm like, oh no, like, thank God I had six years in the aerospace industry. Thank God I have my master's in digital media. All of these things, even as a micro influencer has allowed me to work with brands, you know, travel, meet my financial goals, buy a house. Like I'm like, I'm able to like do everything that I want to do. And so, yeah, I think that's been an obstacle that I'm sure a lot of people can relate to. Yes, a hundred percent. I think, yeah, any, I'm sure a lot of people can definitely relate to that, but I love the way that you put it in, you know, your definition of success and sort of looking at those, what those end goals are and not being about the numbers, which I think is so important. And if there was someone who was just looking to start their own business or get into the content creator space, um, just at the beginning stages, what sort of advice would you give to them? I think number one, just especially in the content creator space, start testing out what it's like to create content. See if you even like taking photos and videos. See if you like editing. Just like start dabbling and start, I call it tasting, right? Start tasting to like this industry and seeing if it's something that you're passionate about, right? Because once you, you might find you're like, oh, because I think this is happening a lot, especially with the rise of the influencer industry because the barriers to entry of becoming a creator is so low, you need a smartphone and an app. You can pick, you don't even need all the apps. You can just pick Instagram, you can just pick TikTok. The barriers of entry are so low in starting a brand today. It seems like everybody can do it, but because everybody can, just because everybody can do it doesn't mean 
everybody wants to do it or finds that it's actually like the right fit. So I'm always like, just, just see if you even like creating content. And then if you like creating content, because for me, I was like, oh my God, I love taking photos. Like, this is so fun. I love styling outfits. I love finding locations. Like, I love this whole process. Like, this is for me. Once you kind of get past that stage, I still call it, I actually talk about this on the content creators podcast, the four creator life stages. And then I call that the seed stage when you're beginning and you're still dabbling in, right? Once you figure out like, oh, okay, I like creating content. My thing is start to think about your point of view. If a mission statement is too businessy and too formal for you, start thinking about what you want your brand to be known for. What type of content excites you? Is it beauty content? Is it travel? Is it food? Is it fashion? Is it fitness? Is it corgis? Like whatever it is, right? Just like start to kind of explore those topics. So you start to clarify your point of view. And then from there, I think to start getting consistent, to figure out what consistency means to you. Is it twice a week? Is it once a week? Is it three times a week, right? Posting every day is not for everybody. I mean, it's a lot of work to produce content online. Any other, if you're a social media manager out there, if you're someone who works in marketing, you know how much time it takes to produce content consistently. And so figure out what a consistent schedule looks like to you. So yeah, those are just some three tips. Experiment, point of view, figure out how to be consistent. Amazing. Well, I think those are some amazing tips that I think people will definitely find very helpful. So thank you so much for sharing. And do you have any future plans coming up right now, you know, that you'd like to share? Yeah. So I think future plans, oh my gosh, I just came back from Europe from a 10 day trip. So I'm kind of like, oh my gosh, I've like done so much, but um, I think my biggest thing is I launched my course, right? My newest course right beforehand. So how to get started working with brands. Again, if you're a new creator or just interested in learning how to work with brands, highly recommend just checking out that linked in my bio. Um, I think that's been like my biggest project so far. Um, And then future plans. This month, my focus is just actually on like family and friends. One of my best friends is getting married and we just celebrated my dad's 60th birthday yesterday. And my one year wedding anniversary is coming up. So I'm kind of like, Trying to just like focus on friends and family this month. Um, but again, that course has gone live. So yeah, that's the biggest thing. Just focusing on friends and family and then check out that course if it sounds like it's the right fit for you. Amazing. And where can people go to find the course and find you online? Yeah, so you can find me um, at emmasedition.com and just click on the shop courses tab. All four courses that I have offered are on there and linked. You can find me at emmasedition um, on Instagram, on TikTok, Emmalyn Cortez on Twitter, and then also the Content Creators Podcast. Oh my gosh, sorry. I'm like whirling through all of that. Um, but yeah, I can send you all these links. You can include in the show notes if you'd like, but yeah. Yes, absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Emma, for joining me here today and sharing your story and so much great advice. I know that the listeners are absolutely going to love it. So thank you so much. I appreciate it. Thank you again for having me. Thanks so much for tuning in to Made It Happen podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And if you did, please feel free to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button so that you never miss an episode. And thanks again for all your support. I'll see you next week.